In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. I hope you forgive me in the next, I, I want to say several weeks, because you're going to be hearing a lot about my trip at Ionian Village. And this trip at Ionian Village is something that I wish I would have done a long time ago, because had I done it a long time ago, I would have um, encouraged more young people to participate in this ministry and in this program. And this ministry and this program is not really a summer camp, it's more of an experience. They take 200 kids in two different sessions from JFK, New York, to Athens. And then in Athens, once in Athens, they take them all over Greece and all over these historical and religious sites. And I'll be telling you a lot about the religious sites that we've gone to. Um, I've already uh, mentioned that uh, we'll be bringing a slipper of St. Dionysios and St. Gerasimus here to the parish so that we can venerate it as well. Um, they change the slippers on these saints every so often because people see them creating miracles throughout the island. And as they lay in their tomb and their bodies are still intact after being deceased for over 500 years, they notice that the slippers on their feet get worn down. So they have to change the slippers on their feet. And then they send out those slippers to different parishes. And I've asked that we receive a slipper of each for our parish. And as a gift from my family to the parish, We'll be receiving a slipper from each St. Gerasimus and St. Dionysios for here. But I'll be telling you more about those saints as we go and as their feast days get closer as well. But one thing that I need very often is sleep. And the one thing that the director told me I was not going to get at Ionian Village was sleep. So whenever I could close my eyes and rest a little bit, I would. And one Sunday morning during Divine Liturgy... We were doing divine liturgy outside. The ocean was just on the other side of the wall. If you can imagine, there's a gate at that wall right there. Right on the other side was the ocean. We were standing at the altar, which was right by the ocean. And during the Lord's Prayer, I closed my eyes. And I was elbowed. And I was having a wonderful dream. And the priest said, especially. And I said, especially what? And he said, especially for the Theotokos. And I said, for who? And he said the next verse, the next line. And so I gave the line and I totally blanked out. I mean, that was how much sleep deprived we were and we needed to get. So on the morning in which they told us that we were going up the street, we were getting up at 5 in the morning to just go up the street to a monastery, I wasn't very happy. I said, why? Why can't we just sleep in, enjoy the day, go to the beach, go to the pool, have lunch, relax, why do we have to wake up early and go to this monastery, which is literally where Vons is? If you go up the hill to where Vons is, that's where the monastery is. I said, I said, really? So we got up early, got our robes on, we got our hats on, we did everything we had to do to, to go to this monastery. And we get to this monastery and we're standing at this monastery and they crowd us into a church which is probably half the size of our Agape Chapel right here. And they crowd us in and they... They literally crowded us in. When I say crowded in, I mean they kept pushing the kids closer and closer and closer to the point where the, some of the kids were standing just like this at the altar. Crowding them in. And then we waited. And I said, what are we waiting for? And they said, we're waiting for the priest to come. And this priest, Father George, came out. And he was probably about my age, maybe younger. He was a little bit bigger than I was. He was bursting out of his robe. His robe looked like it had been worn. It looked like he had been kneeling in his robe and working in his robe. It looked like he um, used this robe as an apron as well. 
It wasn't as pristine as we here in America try to keep our robes. It really was a working robe. And he put this big font in the middle of the, of the, of the room, and the kids crowded around it, and he started to proceed to tell us a story. And you're going to get details of the story in the monthly Murberry, the newsletter, that comes out in a couple of weeks. But what he basically told us was, there was a cave at this monastery, and an icon of the Virgin Mary over the cave at this monastery where water was rushing out of, coming out of and coming out of. And the monastery that we were at was once a convent where nuns lived. And the nuns weren't so faithful after many years. They started to get lazy. And the monastery started to get run down. And the monastery eventually was close to being closed. And eventually somebody went into the cave and stole the icon of the Virgin Mary and took it. And as soon as the icon was taken, the water stopped. It dried up. For many years, the water dried up. There was no water coming out. So now Father George is assigned to this community. And he goes to the monastery and the bishop tells him, Papa Yorgi, you're in charge of reinstituting a monastery here, getting life back into this monastery. Get some monks here, get some, some things going in the parish, get things going. So he says, okay. So the first thing he does is he tries to find the identical icon that was in that cave, and he can't find one anywhere. There's a special icon of the Virgin Mary that he's having a hard time finding. So eventually word goes around the village, and an old woman produces a picture of the icon. So Father George takes that picture of the icon, and he blows it up. He frames it. He puts it right up in the cave. And what do you think happened? The water started immediately coming up from the spring. He said not only did the water start coming up from the spring, but when he went into the church, you know how some churches have oil lamps that hang over their icons? He said those oil lamps rock back and forth for exactly one hour. And I was standing here, and there were kids pressed up against me all around, listening to his story, and I looked at my kumbado, and I said two words that I wish I could take back. I said, yeah, right. And my kumbado said, what? And I said, nothing. So the kids came through, and he gave them water from that font, and they took little water bottles, and they filled it up, and he started telling stories about the miracles that happened from that water. How people would come that could not conceive a child, that young couples would come that could not get pregnant, and they would drink the water, and nine months later, they were pregnant. And a year later, they would bring their children, and he would baptize the children in that water, that very water. He said that there were people that had cancer that would come in, with great faith, and they would drink that water, they would go home to their doctors, and without any kind of explanation, they would be cured from their cancer. So I went into the altar, and I found this big jug. And all the kids came through, and we took their crosses, we took their prayer ropes, we took the icons that they had purchased, and we blessed them with this water as, as priests, and we gave it back to them, and they went. And as all the kids kind of filed out, Father George was, was kind enough to make coffee for everybody. And the little jelly candies that you get at the monasteries that always taste good on a hot summer's day with a cold glass of water, he had those for everybody as well. And I could tell that Father George wanted to get out there to get and to mingle with the kids, but I grabbed him by the worn-down underneath. I pulled him back, 
And I said, I want you to tell me something. He says, yeah. And I said, I'm having a hard time believing the story of the water starting right away and the icons rocking and these miracles happening. And he said, what can I tell you? He says, it's the power of God. Either you believe or you don't. So I took this jug that I found in the altar. And I said, I found this water jug that was probably a euro somebody had paid for. It wasn't mine. So I took this jug. I said, can I dump this water out? And can we fill it with that water? And can I take it back to America with me? He said, absolutely. So I went and dumped out the water. And he filled it up for me. And, he fill, and I was only going to fill it a quarter of the way. Because I figured that's all I needed, right? And then you could fill it more with regular water when you got home. He filled it all the way up to the point that it came out the sides of the bottle. And he sealed it to make sure that it was tight on the top. And he says, you take this back to America. And I said, okay. Then he came out. Four bottles of this wine that you can't get in America. And he says, you take that back and you use that for communion as well. And I said, okay. Then he came out with three icons and lo loaded me up with three icons and said, here, you take this back as well. And I said, great, thank you. And he says, and, and if I knew you were coming, if I had one day of preparation, I would have had relics of, an I of a saint to give you as well. And I said, well, I said, my boys are not with us today. They went on the other trip. They'll be here tomorrow. He says, great, tell your boys to find me tomorrow, and I'll give them that gift as well. Next day, my boys go. They hear the same story. They come back, sharing the same details that I shared with you about the water, the rocking things and everything. And Harrison reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out this little black box. And he says, this is the relic of a saint that's, that's celebrated on May 16th. I don't know the name of the saint. But he made me memorize May 16th, May 16th, May 16th. So I went and looked up which saints are venerated on May 16th. And it's the 40 holy martyrs of the monastery in Egypt that were, that were martyred. Um, and now there's a monastery there in their, in their honor. So we have this little piece of this relic in our family as well as a gift from Father George. My point in telling you all of this is that everywhere we went, there was a story of a miracle with an icon, with water, with a cave giving water out, with an icon that did something special, with different things that happened. And as I entered this program, I have to admit to you that in the back of my mind were the two words that I wish that I could take back. But those two words were always, yeah, right. Until I witnessed it with my own eyes until I saw with my own eyes the power of God. And sometimes in our life and in the gospel passage today, even the disciples thought, yeah, right. The father of the epileptic son took his son to the disciples before bothering the master. Took his son to the men who surrounded the Lord day after day. And they couldn't heal him. So what does he do? Instead, he goes to the master himself. And he says, he falls into the fire. He falls into the water. Imagine those of us who are parents, those of us who aren't parents either, who have nieces and nephews, or who, who work with children. Imagine a child that is so riddled with disease that any time the disease afflicts him, he falls into a fire, he falls into water. What happens? Their body gets destroyed. Imagine this father's at his wit's end. And he finally goes to the Lord, and the Lord rebukes the demon within him, and the boy is made whole. 
And then later on, the disciples, after they've grabbed the Lord by his robe, as he's trying to get out there to eat with everybody, and they pull him back in, and he has showered them with all kinds of gifts, right? He's given them all kinds of gifts. They say to him, basically, yeah, right. Why couldn't we do it? You told us if we rebuke the evil spirits, we can do it. And he says, because it takes work. It takes work in order for it to get done. Nothing happens on our own with a snap of a finger, with the wave of incense, with the kissing of an icon. It happens with the power of God. And so I ask you, if you are like me, and you are one of those people that every now and then say, yeah, right, like the disciples in the gospel passage today, I ask you, how much prayer, how much fasting are you doing? Because I can tell you that what Ionian Village program talked to me, the experience gave to me, was there are people in our faith, there are people that are part of our church, people part of our triskia. Somebody translate that word for me, triskia. Sophia, triskia, our tradition, our, our, our passed down to us, it's, it's, a, it's a deep word. It's our a deep faith that's passed down, that have done work in order for the church to survive. We went to historical sites as well, and I'll share that with you about how the Turks tried to shut out Christianity and how the Greeks in Greece and other people throughout the world maintained their Orthodox faith in order to keep Christianity alive. And it's the same thing that's happening now out there as well, unfortunately. And I'll share many stories with you as we go through the weeks and months ahead. But I can tell you this. At that church, the kids of the camp, as they noticed that I wasn't leaving, stayed in the chapel as well. And they started singing the hymns to the Theotokos, the Paraklisi service. And the villagers who were outside, excited to see 200 American kids, heard this chanting. And they came back inside. And they saw us chanting these hymns to the Virgin Mary. And the one man pulled me aside and in his broken English said, America? And I said, yeah. And he says, and you sing hymns of the church? And I said, yes. And he started to cry. <laughs> and he said, so the church is alive and well in America? And I said, absolutely. And he said, amen. And I said to myself, that right there is my icon in a cave. And water just came up out of there. That right there is the oil lamps rocking in my faith. Right there, where this old man in this village who doesn't know anything other than that church and maybe another church or two, maybe he got to go to Patras once in his life. He got on a bus once and went 45, 50 kilometers out. But he saw 200 kids chanting hymns to the Virgin Mary. And he said, orthodoxy is out there, huh? And I said, it very much is. So I ask you, with prayer and fasting, we can get anything done. You can think in the back of your mind, yeah, right. I'm not going to lick this challenge. This is too hard for me. Yeah, right, it's not going to happen. But with prayer and fasting, with faith, with love, with the fear and respect for God, all things are possible. 